Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Georgina. Thank you, Neve, and thank you, Eva, for being here. And thank all of you for being here. I have a very easy task tonight. I have to be as quiet as possible and encourage a conversation between these two wonderful artists, both of whom have recently represented Ireland at Venice. Eva with The Shrinking Universe and Neve with Gather. Um, I thought it would be a really nice thing this evening if we had a, a short visual recap of the exhibitions for anyone who didn't manage to see them in person. Can I do a corny thing and ask how many of us here today saw the exhibitions, both of them, in Venice? So quite a few people, uh, and then many more didn't. And so it's really nice that we have this stage or this moment to reflect and consider uh, what Venice meant and also to think about the artistic practices of Neve and Eva, two incredible, exceptional artists practicing today, kind of through the lens of Venice with the exhibition and re our reflections around that. So I might start zooming back into the past and asking you both if you could tell me if you can remember your first encounter with Venice and what kind of form that took. Does that exclude doing the Merchant of Venice at school? Yeah. Yeah. With the physical and the landmass. Okay. I actually only went to Venice for the first time in, uh, I think, 2017. So, um, I kind of meant to go at other times, but I never got around to it. And then I got to a point where, where I was like, well, if I'm not working, I'm not going. So, uh, maybe that sounds a bit bloody-minded, but then, yeah, then... Um, I have been, I definitely go back. <laughs> <laughs> I was lucky enough to be um, on a residency in Rome for a year in 99 and did a day trip on the train. Or when, I think we stayed in Padua. We went, we went to Venice for the day on one of the last days the Biennale. Um, arrived in really early in the morning and it was very misty and I just kind of couldn't believe it existed, like as a place. And I couldn't believe the Biennale existed either. I'd never really seen very much art at that point. I was quite young and hadn't traveled at all. Um, so it was really phenomenal. Yeah, it's really, really memorable. At that point, interestingly, it was later, it was in autumn and the Irish Pavilion had already closed because the Irish Pavilion didn't stay open for the whole run. So I remember trying to go and see it. I think it was Anne Talentire at the time. And I couldn't because it, it, it had closed early. And I kind of noticed that as well. Was it important to both of you in different ways or various ways as a, as a fixed event in the art calendar or as an aspiration? Did, was it something that you aspired to do, do you think, earlier than when you would have pitched your exhibitions? For me, definitely. I was like, that was as well why in a bloody-minded way I was like, well, if I'm not working, I'm not going. You know, I was like, I would like to go see these things, but really I would prefer to be working doing something and be involved but also I think and actually I think it was 2015 I went not 2017 yeah I'm pretty sure it was and then um, I think as well though that I, I was always aware of it but I think as well it's kind of hard to to sort of imagine now but I suppose like I'm a bit older and it's just it's sort of just the idea of like having the wherewithal to go there wasn't that realistic kind of when I was younger and then so yeah so I never went earlier but I always sort of saw what was going on but I remember the first time I was ever aware of it was um, uh, as an exhibition was when I was at um, university in Belfast and somebody had the catalogue and there was an essay in it um, 
that I read, I can't remember what it was, but that was the first time I was aware, aware that there was this sort of big event like this that happened. Um, sort of, uh, and that it, you know, was obviously a place where sort of people coalesced and came together in this sort of celebration of contemporary art. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who's not familiar with Venice, La Biennale de Venezia. It's been running since 1895. It's the world's longest running international exhibition of its kind. Uh, the art part of it happens every second year. There was a bit of a hiccup during the pandemic and so it flipped, missed a year. But Ireland has been participating very open to correction on this as far as I know from around 1950. And uh, for a lot of professional artists, curators, programmers, it's a very important map, or it's a very important um, moment in the cultural calendar. It's really interesting for me to think about it from an artist's perspective and as artists, how they uh, navigate it and how different that perspective must be from a professional going to the preview and going to see it for a very specific reason, from a tourist going to enjoy it and to kind of wander around. And I wonder how you navigate that um, the kind of aspiration of Venice and then the sort of physical journey of Venice when you go there um, in the hope of seeing art, seeing work. For you both, was it ever an occasion to go there uh, apart from your own work being shown? Well, I went, I went a lot without, without working in it. And, um, but I think maybe, uh, I think maybe I go to every exhibition slightly going, what would I do in this room? So I think that that's just a kind of, whether it's Venice or anywhere else, you know, you're kind of looking at the spaces and looking at the context and thinking, well, you know, how, how would I take this on? So, you know, that was definitely there, but I would not, not with any kind of real sense that it might happen for a long time. So, but yeah, of course. Maybe it's a good point um, at this early stage to have a look at what both of you did do in that room. And so we have a brief slideshow for Eva and we have a little video for Neve to show a kind of um, strange documentation because it's going to show you uh, the space events where the exhibitions were um, sort of un unpeopled, largely unpopulated. So we'll have a look at those now. Uh, Eva, would you tell us a little bit about okay. your exhibition? Okay. So yeah, my exhibition uh, was called The Shrinking Universe, which was, uh, these are some uh, pictures which are a bit low resolution, but uh, um, yeah, so my show was called The Shrinking Universe and the title I chose to kind of, uh, I guess, was based around the sort of experience that I think we have that the universe seems to be shrinking because everyone seems to be closer together in a way which is at odds with the um, actual scientific uh, reality that the universe is expanding. And when you are uh, doing an exhibition like this, it definitely feels like the universe is shrinking because everything, all these countries are brought together and you inhabit this, uh, this is actually something I didn't know until I was there. It is like you're sort of inhabiting a bizarre map of the world with all its hierarchies because, uh, this isn't really talking about my show, sorry, but because all the kind of, um, what you call sort of, uh, more powerful countries tend to be in what's the Giardini, which is, has all these sort of permanent uh, buildings, and this is sort of a whole kind of layout of sort of um, imperial power going back like hundred over a hundred years, and then all of the shall we say newer or less powerful countries are sort of uh, 
basically grabbing any space they can get and using it on a ad hoc or temporary basis around the city. So there's this weird kind of, um, uh, kind of, it's like the sort of opposite of the Mercator projection, you know, like where it's sort of this weird, so Ireland is, as it was, the Isle of there next to Ghana, next to Chile, next to Indonesia. It's sort of a totally different sort of uh, geogra geographical setup from the Giardini, which is sort of a more uh, sort of patrician, I guess, which is quite interesting. Was that a surprise to you once you had started your project there, or did you always see it as a vehicle that can reify the nation state? I didn't really think about it, but when you're there, you really do, because you're, you're sort of like, oh, look, there's Chile. Oh, you yeah, know, that person's Brazil. Or, you know, there's sort of like a bizarre Eurovision kind of vibe that goes on. And, uh, and then, you know, you get people who are, like, doing something absolutely insane and massive and there's 60 million crates coming in, and then you have someone else who turns up with, like, a projector in a shopping bag, you know? And, and then you've got the sort of this kind of weird, I mean, this is just the sort of logistics, but it is quite funny, isn't it, when you're there? And there's this sort of, like you get these passes, and your pass is so specific that you can't get into the other area. You know, even though you're working there, maybe you're borrowing something from someone, they're like, no. It's very hierarchical, the whole thing, definitely. And there is this weird kind of, um, it, not artistically, but sort of this sort of legacy, kind of uh, geographical sort of legacy, that you become really aware of. And then obviously that is inherent in the history of Venice, which was obviously the most powerful city in the world as well. And then it sort of still wields this cultural power and this power over all our imagination as well. You know, and, and one of the most bizarre elements, you know, and this is not about being an artist or contemporary art, it's the sort of act of being there and what, the experience of being there and working there. You really become aware of that with all the sort of grandeur and the kind of grit, and then this other layer of the sort of hierarchy of, you know, different cultures within contemporary art, which is quite, it's kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, I find that really fascinating, I have to say. And that was my work also. <laughs> yeah, so at, at, at what level did this filter into your work, or did it, this kind of, uh, this view or synopsis of the state of Venice? Well, well, I think like it doesn't really, because it's funny as well. And when you have to write, sorry, I'm answering all that. But you know, you so the the situation in Ireland, where so different countries do it in different ways. So some countries, like in, um, they sort of put a curatorial team together, and then they sort of decide in sort of some you know kind of pope choosing type way who is going to do Venice. Whereas like in in Ireland, you basically you know, you write in and you say, I want to do this, and then you write your proposal or whatever. And there's always, I don't know if you felt this, but I felt like sort of there was sort of a sense that maybe you were supposed to write how you would respond to Venice, but like, why would you respond to Venice? Imagine if everyone's show was just responding to Venice. I mean, that would be absurd, you know? Yeah. So, but there is this sense because one of the things we have to do as artists all the time is write these proposals, which is completely at odds, if you think about it, about the way we choose to express what we do. We choose to express it through, well, certainly in our case, like objects. And so there's this weird thing of like, should I make it about Venice? Should I not? And I didn't. And it's, and you really, didn't. it's really problematic when you use glass in any form because yes. you just think, oh, no, I use glass. It's terrible. <laughs> it's going to look like I'm using glass for this reason. <laughs> so I was almost like 
Yeah, I was very anxious about that. Do I dare? Do I dare yeah. still use glass, even though I use glass anyway? Um, so that was an issue. Um, but we kind of deliberately, as a, as a team, or are kind of, I decided to not tell everyone what I was going to do because that's not how I work. Mm -hmm. So just sort of gave an approach and said, well, this is how I would approach it. You know, this is how I normally approach a space, and this is how I normally approach planning for any exhibition and this is my way of working and, yeah. and that was what we did um, as opposed to trying to give some sense of what it would look like because it's you don't work like that I mean that's not how the studio works so yeah maybe we could also roll um, documentation of your exhibition that you've uh, gathered I mean Eva started talking about her um, title actually so mine is gather and um, the title, people, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the title now, but people are obsessed by the title because it's nothing, you know, maybe they've got no language around the exhibition apart from that word or that sentence, so, so it's like the only in. Yeah. So it becomes really important even if it's not necessarily... Being, misdirected. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it kind of matters. Um, and it was, it was quite interesting as a word at the time, and maybe still, because it was, you know, we were developing it during COVID and this idea of gathering was obviously both problematic and we were kind of wanting it maybe too. And I kind of like the word because it's a bit, you know, it, it, it can be a bit of a command or it can be an invite and it can be quite a complicated sort of term. So it felt um, that it was appropriately complicated, I suppose, for the time that we were, we were hosting this. And as Kate said, it's quite funny looking at the, the shots of a very empty room because it was so crowded, you know? Yeah, it's always busy. It's all always the time. busy. Yeah. 500,000 people passing through at least annually. And I think in the case of 2022, it was 900,000 because it ran for slightly longer. Yeah, it's an incredible amount of traffic through a space. And it's important to say about the Irish uh, exhibition venue as it is currently, it is definitely a thoroughfare. So that's a situation that both of you had to encounter and meet. Yeah. Maybe could you talk a little bit about how you did that? Um, well, for me, I built a wall in front of the entrance so you couldn't just walk through it. You had to stop, so you were kind of pulled up dead when you when you um, entered the, the the room, and that was deliberately kind of in response to that. But also, um, it is. I assume you thought about that too. It's really it comes at the yeah. end. So basically, people come in from the uh, sort of the main kind of big curated exhibition, and then there's this sort of episodic series of rooms, which for some reason everyone seems to like to have really really dark. <laughs> and uh, I was determined that our space would be as bright as possible. Um, uh, well, obviously, I wasn't showing anything that needed to be dark, but there's a lot of darkness in those rooms. It seems to be a sort of... It was less this year, I think, but was still, still pretty yeah, dark. Yeah, it was really dark. And I think that um, you're really aware of it as a thoroughfare, and you're also really aware that it's where people... Because people are really tired as well by the time they get there, because um, there's a lot of walking. And uh, I think that sense of trying to make people pause was actually really um, important to how I, like I never thought more about how people would circulate in an exhibition than I did with that because it is, it's like having an exhibition in a big shopping centre or something, there's just like so many people coming through all the time and so that, that sort of 
trying to really kind of punctuate that and make people stop so they actually have to physically stop when they came in was actually in terms of placing the work in the room that was really important mm -hmm. because um, I also I usually actually pretty much all the time now I put um, seating in my exhibitions I make furniture as well as making <coughs> sculpture and so I really made sure there was quite a lot of places to sit in the room because even though the work itself may perhaps be quite, um, you know, it's, it's quite, um, forbidding isn't a right word, but it's very structural and strong and direct and sort of, um, you know, it's not cuddly. Um, I, I really like to have seating in the, in the room just because physically it gives you a way of interacting with the materials of the work, which is really important to me. And also it sort of signals, it's like you are supposed to be here. It's not about trying to get you through as quickly as possible. It is actually a space for looking and a space for being with the work. And I also had a large structure which was um, open to the public to climb on and sit on. And sort of because there were so many people, and I knew there would be so many people, I really wanted there to be something that created... Um, I hate the word interactive because it suggests you're kind of being fed something, but actually just a physical sense of engagement with the work, that that was really part of the experience. So that was important to me. So for me, that's how I dealt with the corridor sort of thing. It was kind of inherent in the sculptural presentation. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in a way, slightly similarly, that there was that, um, you know, people are saying, well, what you know, did you think about the context of... Venice and actually you thought about the context of the room mm. you know as much as anything um, that the, the journey towards it and the fact that it was you were going to be exhausted that it was one of the first points where you see water yeah. um, you know you've been in the Arsenale maybe for a few hours at that point and you've seen thousands of pieces of work yeah. and you're really tired um, and again it was thinking about well maybe it could be a place where that naturally brings you to a pause and even allows you to see outside and, yeah. and lets you say it's okay I'm, I'm not trapped I can stay here for a minute and I can still go out and, and we had that people could come back in as well you know making that quite a kind of welcoming um, possibility maybe after you got your coffee um, but I didn't have any seats but I had um, definitely considered you know things that felt they might try and hold people in the space, including some small moving image pieces, you know, that sort of change your, your kind of movement. You know, they affect that notion of like, how quickly can you see a sculpture? You know, you, you sort of, people's idea that you can take it in as you're yeah. moving past it. So, yeah. so that idea of shifting the kind of momentum or shifting the sense of encounter slightly by producing something that had a, a different kind of time-based um, element to it was, was one of the things that I tried to use. Um, and also creating, because we couldn't, I mean, there's a lot of things about the space, like you can't touch anything, <laughs> there's no lighting when you arrive, there's no um, desk, there's no Nothing. anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people fully realize that. <coughs> Walls couldn't, weren't load-bearing, we had to um, strengthen them, stuff like that. Um, so everything had to be constructed and you couldn't touch this amazing kind of back wall, which was physically crumbling daily. Um, the old plaster was falling off every day uh, but you couldn't touch that so you, you had less wall space than you might in a normal or less wall space to kind of define the objects in relation to as well or you had to take on that that complicated um, fabric of the building so there was a lot of choices made to sort of 
try and do that and pull things out into the space and kind of create corners or you know um, yeah like slightly choreograph the the, the movement of, of, of the audience through that which isn't dissimilar actually I mean we're both yeah. working with sculpture yeah. we're both working with objects in the space um, so we have some similar tactics I, but I think as well with your exhibition I really felt that you had I, I it's interesting to see to hear that you'd set, thought of the same thing about all the dark spaces, maybe basically, because you don't know what other people are going to do, but it's a kind of guess that there'll be a lot of dark spaces, and there is. And uh, I felt going into your space as well, it had that sort of kind of clean, open kind of moment. This sort of, it, uh, and it's, it's funny because I was aware of that as well, but you totally said it. It's the first time you see the water when you're in that big suite of kind of uh, rooms. Which are all very enclosed, and it's very—it's um, not claustrophobic because it's not really like that. But you can't—you don't get any view out, and it is the first time you you view out. And I think definitely arriving in your your uh, room from that, it just—it feels like a kind of an opening or a sort of widening or a sort of um, yeah. It's, I, I mean, I think it's a really good uh, position actually within yeah. what's there. So um, do I because it's quite memorable. I mean, it's. Um like that space is, we were thinking about how porous it is. It's not even really a room. I mean, you, it's not a, it's not a gallery. <laughs> you know? It's kind of a shed <laughs> with, um, because there's no, I mean, there isn't even glass in the windows. There's uh, pers a little bit of perspex, you know, and there's kind of some, some wood holding the, an, an arch at one point. And it's, it's barely held together and it's got masses of dust flowing in. And so it, it floods. It floods sometimes. Ours didn't. Ours did. Yeah. There are animals. There are, yeah, there are, there are geckos and pigeons <laughs> and um, various other things. So it's kind of a shed. So it was kind of like taking that on a bit and going, well, this is quite a porous yeah. space. This is just like a shelter, you know, that you're kind of coming into or out of temporarily. And it's not really, it doesn't have the same conditions as a normal venue would have. And that creates masses of problems and then maybe opportunities. And loads so, of cleaning. Loads of cleaning, loads yeah. of cleaning. Did it ever occur to either of you at any point in the kind of developmental journey that you wanted a different space to that space? Or was that the space that you were always um, circling around in terms of your thinking of what you would do there? Uh, for, for Mary and I, I think we did consider it for a while and then we didn't, you know? And actually, I think it's, I should just take this moment to say that I think it's a really good space and I think the Culture Ireland should commit to it over a period of years because it would make a lot more sense um, and I think it would be good for artists and for uh, Irish culture and my dad is asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I said I wouldn't say it if he clapped but I couldn't really. <laughs> I agree in terms of space because it's um, but there's also that thing some people started asking me is Ireland in the same place and you're like yes, yes definitely, yes. definitely. and that people meant that know they it. know they know how to find it and also you're starting to create a kind of history in the same way as if you've been lucky enough to go over a period of years or even just to read about it you kind of know that the the fabric of the buildings that people are are, yeah. are reworking over and over is creating another kind of history and, and another kind of you know interesting kind of archive and narrative of art from that place or you know it, it just it creates its own politics it creates its own logic so if by moving constantly we're, we're disrupting that and, yeah. and so I think it's really already even though it's only been what Sean Jesse you and, and me, all the architects and the architects yeah. and then yeah. also 
as well. There's a kind of handover that happens because otherwise it's like starting fresh every time because yeah. it's essentially like, yeah, going on tour with the circus, you know, it's like you, you have to start from scratch every time. So the longer, the more people know, the more they can sort of hit the ground running really. So I think, it is, I think it's a really, um, uh, I think for Culture Island and the Arts Council, it would be a really great, um, it would be a great thing to commit to that space. And you've talked a little bit about the kind of uh, camaraderie between nations, between artists representing other countries. Um, could you say a little bit about what it felt like or what it meant to you to represent Ireland? It's a, it's a horrible question. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's okay. It's okay. But was it important to you in a way? Did you, what did, you, did you feel like there was a responsibility to showcase something of Irish culture? Or did you take it as a, a chance for your artistic practice to come to the fore, irregardless of Irishness or what Ireland's doing? Um, well, for me, it was really important because I, I don't live or work in Ireland and I don't have a very Irish name and people always think I'm not Irish. So for me, actually, it was a really, like it felt really important and most kind of really basic prosaic way to go, well, actually, yes, I am. And, you know, and this is what I do. And I think that when you do what you do exactly, uh, whether that's Neve or me or Jesse or anyone who's doing it, and all the differences that are inherent in those practices, you don't need to be doing anything that's Irish. You are Irish, and you are expressing that by the multiplicity of practices that's on show. And actually, I think that that's what's the really important thing about representing your your nation is the sort of multiplicity and the difference in manifestations that can come from even such a small nation as this. And, and I, for me, that's the real kind of pleasure in doing that. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree that you didn't have to sort of perform in Irishness because, like, what else were you yeah. <laughs> in terms of a practitioner? I mean, you are, you've been sort of produced from this context and, and you were going to be going there and making the work you're making and, and so that was definitely I, I, I felt like that about it too um, I think we were also interested um, in terms of coming from Tampa Bar and the studios in sort of having um, I was talking a lot and thinking a lot about how much sculpture was being made how much um, female how many female sculptures are around in particular and uh, we're coming off the back of Eva as well her, her show there but we were interested in making work that was very clearly coming out of a studio and thinking about studio spaces and what it meant to make objects these days. And, uh, you know, so it felt like as a team, Cleena, Michael and myself were, were sort of thinking, well, this feels relevant and this is real and this is happening in, in here at the moment. And maybe by, by showing it, you know, by having something come out of Temple Bar, it'll be sort of talking about a greater type of practice that's happening in the country as well. And we've tried to do that through the tour as well, to try and extend that conversation kind of across the country into how people are working and making at the moment or ask questions about that. You mentioned the team and thinking about the team, I mean, both of you had solo exhibitions, but solo rarely means one person. Can you talk a little bit about how the team functioned? I mean, I find the logistics of it all really fascinating and complex, uh, but maybe you could just say a little bit about the team, the roles, 
and um, how, how the projects were kind of delivered. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people involved, and at the same time, there's very few people involved, if it makes sense. So I think Lena and Michael and myself were just like this trio who knew everything about everything, you know? And then at the same time, there were really key people like Alex, the designer, who was involved in everything from the website to the book to any kind of sort of branding, typography, you know, all of that. He seemed to be involved in pretty much every step. Um, we had. Um, you know, everyone from the fabricators I work with to the mediators, 15 of them who went out and spent a month each there to, um, who we know really well at this point, and um, to shippers, to, you know, people in the office in Temple Bar who came on board and were involved in accounts. And, I mean, it just, you just go on, I'm going to leave people out because there were just so many people that were really crucial. And on a day-to-day -day basis, I mean, you're very much take it on and run with it. The, the, you know, the relationship to the funders, which is hugely, you know, important because they're helping to make this happen, is very distant, you know, so there's a lot of fundraising that has to happen in addition to what is got from Culture Ireland and the Arts Council, but there's no, there's no one running it. I think there's a sense from the outside that there's a person who runs Ireland at Venice, and it might be a good thing if there was, um, and there was a clear handover. But no, it's very much like you, you get this, and then you, you run with it, and you create a kind of an institution almost from scratch and you create a space literally almost build a space put up lighting in it you know ship a desk chairs but, but you had the um the additional thing with the covid we did you know like yeah. for you had brexit as far as i remember yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, it didn't really affect it because it was just before like you had the the um the sort of um i mean I, just doing it with all the COVID things, I can't even imagine how difficult that was because logistically it's hard enough, you know. So, I mean, that's a whole, you know, well done for doing that because that is, I don't know how you did it with that. We were all in the same building, which was hugely helpful. So, yeah, we could, yeah. we could um, that was a real, logistically, that was really helpful mm -hmm. that we could just kind of literally run up down the stairs yeah. and communicate kind of in a way that a lot of people weren't getting to communicate, I suppose. But yeah, there were loads of things like not being able to go to the stone yard um, or not being able to, you know, mm. just make things at certain points, which was a pain. Yeah, We had slightly longer because of it, um, which maybe gave us a bit of thinking time, which I don't, you know, underestimate. So. Once the exhibitions were up, were you able to spend time at them, in them? Is that important to you? spending time in work that you've made? I mean, it's nice, but you never really get to do it that much. I mean, I think I probably spend more time in that room than I did in other exhibitions, just because usually you do exhibitions and they're kind of over within like quite a short time scale. And then because that's on so long, I did go back a few times. Like I went back with my um, children twice and uh, that was really good. Yeah, it was really nice to do that. Um, yeah, because usually you do things like you, and you leave the next day, mm. you know, so actually, yeah, that was really nice. As well, you know, you put so much work into an exhibition and then you're like, it's over. Mm. You know, it felt really nice to be able to do that. And then also, because you have the tour then, it means you spend, uh, well, it's quite arduous, the tour can be a bit too much time with the work, but <laughs> like, uh, it is kind of really nice to, that the work has a, 
a kind of second life in that way because with sculpture it's so um so difficult yeah and, and it's not like you can just it's just like yeah you never really know what to do with it afterwards so it, it was really nice to like um yeah to actually you know because obviously um our tour was more affected by COVID than the yours, so it didn't have a Dublin venue um, and then we did Carlo and then that closed like within three weeks which was pretty annoying and then uh, but you know everyone was annoyed at that time since uh, the beginning of COVID it was minor I guess and uh, but then we had um, uh, uh, Void Gallery in Derry uh, where Mary Kremen is the director who's the curator I worked with and uh, that was really good and also that was really important for me that it went to Derry um, to Northern Ireland because that's where I did my degree in not in Derry but in Belfast so the fact that the show was in a venue in the north was really important for me and uh, and yeah that with the way the tour worked for us, it was actually really kind of great to be able to then to actually do that because the other two were just like, they just it didn't really work out with the tour. So that was great. Um, yeah. And Neve, did you get to spend time? Yeah, I did go back for brief, two brief trips. And I would say whoever gets it next, spend a bit more time there because I kind of regret not spending a bit more time with it. Um, because it shifted with seasons as well. Like it felt, I went briefly in August and then I went back in November just before it closed. And uh, it felt really different each time. And it was really nice to go back after the opening week because the opening week is kind of painful in a way because you're watching people in the space and particularly post COVID, people were coming in and then they'd see somebody they hadn't seen in like three years or whatever. And they would just like run towards each other and then out of the room and you're going, okay. <laughs> you know? And it was just thousands of people like glazed over or like falling over things, falling over things, really excited, but like not looking at art. And yeah. it can be quite um, heavy, you know, it's quite hard to take actually. So, so spending too much time watching people in the space during the opening week is not a good idea. I kind of like that. But yeah, we didn't have the COVID thing. Yeah, it was. It but, was. Um, but we, there were things like there was a Croatian artist whose whole, oh, um, yeah. where, who I happen to know from years ago, which was a lovely coincidence. And his, he said, "Can I, can I have a performance in your pavilion?" He asked me, and like, I don't know, six months before it opened, and I said, "Sure, I, I know you. You're like, I'll trust you not yeah. to like break something." And what, what it was was a group of kind of uh, five dancers, I suppose, who, who made just these subtle kind of attentive movements according to whichever pavilion or room they were in. And when they came in and sort of, uh, they, they wore backpacks and they looked like young people just kind of strolling through the space, but they would suddenly kind of fall into some loose sort of formation or all shift on the leg to the right or, you know, move their hand to the left. Just very subtle movements, but you could feel the whole room change in, in relation to them. And suddenly, people's uh, responses to the forms and the objects in the rooms really shifted. I just wanted to keep them. Basically, I wanted to keep them in the space at all times because they completely activated the room in a way that is almost like your ideal form of, of viewing experience. So that was a really that was a really great thing to, to observe, and it wouldn't have happened anywhere except Venice. So. Yeah, I think for reasons like that, it sounds like you feel like Venice is a very productive context through which to view your work. 
when you might also see it as a very disruptive or difficult context to view artwork to get to have that kind of intimacy or proximity to work because of the circus or the shopping center or the yeah but I think that's what's really good about it is like everyone who's there is like yeah we're here it's brilliant we're here to see the art you know whereas most people go to galleries and they're like oh yeah right yeah you know and it's really great like actually one of the things that I think is so amazing about going there is the sense of excitement and discovery and the people are there and they're like oh did you see this did you see that and you know there can be something that somebody gets interested in and and it's um, you know it could be some pavilion that's like upstairs from uh, cobblers on a, another island and someone will say you have to go and see that and then everyone will go and see that and there is this sense of community and as contemporary artists you are sort of aware that it's pretty niche as a as a career and like everyone who's here is interested but you know there's two and a half million people out there who aren't and <laughs> and but when you go there it's like you can sort of forget that for a minute, you're like, whoa, everyone here loves this thing, you know, and that is an amazing experience, because it doesn't usually happen, you know, you can do a show somewhere, and it can be written up in, in uh, you know, a newspaper, it can have all this attention, and then you can look at how many people came through the door, and even worse, you can look at how long they stayed, and then, you know, you're like, oh, well, that's brilliant, you know, but with Venice, you're like, people are there, they got themselves there, they're there to see contemporary art, and it's like we're all believing the same thing for a moment, and that's um, yeah, it's a pilgrimage, you know, and that's that feels really, um, you know, if you're a true believer, then that's uh, <laughs> that's amazing. It's great to hear you speak with so much joy about Venice, having been through the machine of it, uh, because one question I always have when thinking about the idea of doing Venice or approaching Venice is why. And I think the kind of joy in your answer as to what kind of context it creates for viewing art is really celebratory. I think it's lovely. Yeah, and it's fun. Yeah. Like, it's like really fun to be there because you are like, who would have thought? Yeah. You know, like yeah. we're yeah. here, staying here for a month and there's no cars and we're doing the work we wanted to do with the, well, <clears throat> for me, I was doing the work I wanted to do with the people I wanted to do it with. You know, you talked about. <clears throat> your team, you know, the people who are working with, you know, the reason you work with those people is because they're the people you want to work with and, and you're sort of sharing this experience together because, you know, I don't know about you, but I've done some shows in some places where you literally have to beg people to come and work with you, you know, because, I mean, I've done some shows in really nice places as well, but, you know, everyone says yes to wanting to go and work in Venice, you know, why wouldn't you? You know, and, and that feel you feel the kind of privilege of doing it while you're doing it, and that is, uh, yeah, it's a really, um, it is really special. Yeah, no, it's really otherworldly. I mean, for anyone who has to be, but the um, that thing of everybody's a visitor slightly too yeah. is is very different to any other. So if you're showing in a, in a museum somewhere else, it, you've got the local audience is is the thing, and the, the normal way of behaving and, and viewing. And, but this is. It's like everybody's come just for this. So everyone you're meeting anyway in, in, in that city. So it is a very particular kind mm -hmm. of yeah. audience. Yeah. And speaking of everybody wanting to say, kind of, wanting to, getting to work with exactly who you want to work with, getting to make the work that you want to make. Neve, you also used um, 
your project in Venice as a kind of leaping off point to work with writers and to invite filmmakers yeah. and to have this kind of uh, layer of accompanying or companionship with other creative practitioners. Could you talk a little bit about that? Well, the calling card of it is I think you're, you know, that thing of people will maybe say yes yeah, <laughs> if, it, if it's yeah. Venice. So that was really nice. So, um, so yeah, we felt like we were extra ambitious, I suppose. You know, it, it allowed for that. It allowed you to say, well, maybe I can ask Emer McBride to write something. You know, it was really scary to ask somebody who I really respected as a writer to, to write something. And, and she said yes. And, you know, I got my favorite band to say. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, yeah, this is like Ian Spinoli, so his band's called Escapism at the moment. But, yeah. So totally, just that sense that you could bring people on board, and that people yeah. came on board to help to support the project yeah. as well in loads of cases. Whereas if you were trying to get a project off the ground, and it may have been just as ambitious, but you know, without that, without that kind of calling card of yeah. Venice, it wouldn't have happened. You know, so. It's the work could be made that maybe couldn't be realized in any other situation. Like the scale of production yeah, is different definitely. for me. Me too. Yeah, it absolutely demands a scale of ambition that you can't just easily apply to any other, even international exhibition or project opportunity. Although that thing about scale of production in different countries is really interesting, because yeah. you know you mentioned it at the beginning, Eva, but the the, the sort of hierarchy, <laughs> hierarchy yeah. is really—it's like yeah. you don't even realize it until you're there, going, "Oh wow, you know yeah. that's uh, you know that couldn't be produced in Ireland because there aren't the production facilities to make something of that scale. Like they just—it just could not be made in this country. You know the objects that we that came in." Off those but then it is really strange as well because some there's these sort of weird you get really sort of surprising differences between countries. Some there's some people really go for this really sort of bombastic production, and then some people have this really kind of slight approach. And sometimes it sort of goes with how you might perceive sort of geopolitical power, and then sometimes it's totally the opposite of that. Um, and you do see some feats of art handling that really should never be seen by artists. I mean, things being balanced and dropped, and I mean, those are, those are the kind of sort of brass tacks things that are just like really quite kind of sort of fun on a day-to-day -day basis when you're there. Yeah, it's like there's no cars in Venice apart from there are some trucks and scissor slips and kind of various lifting kind of mm. devices that go up and down the corridor of the Arsenale, and I imagine the same in the Giardini, and they fly. Yeah. <laughs> and they kind of, you know, everything's unbalanced and slightly chaotic, and there's bikes coming the other way because it's such a long thoroughfare, and it's all... And our our space is... The in and the out. It's the in and the out. So what people didn't don't know is that, like, we installed early, you did too, yeah. um, so that we could photograph and produce publication. But um, after we put the show up, um, it was covered... Same. and cordoned off with lots of colourful tape and then people just drove in and out of it yeah. with scissors lifts and trucks day after yeah. day and the work was pretty delicate so yeah. it was quite scary and sort of absurd um, and in our yeah. case Michael went and stayed in Venice for quite a few weeks which and kept an eye on Poor you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's um it's a particularly it's it's ridiculous it's kind of ridiculous I mean somebody driving can you imagine in Emma, like somebody driving through the show every day? 
you know, just... Directly from the outside. Directly from the outside, yeah, with a massive crate that, that may or may not fit through a door. Yeah. yeah. It, it requires a lot of pre-planning, organisation, the hard-as-nails hard attitude. Did the work for either of you, for both of you, change much when it came back to Ireland for the Irish tours? Did, do you feel like, um, because it was made so specifically for this Venice exhibition, how did you approach that? Yeah, for me, I mean, I think it was quite... Um, so the venue, so we shared the work in Carlo, and then the space there is, is much, much bigger, so I added some work. And uh, so that was really nice. That was really kind of a real pleasure. And then the work that's supposed to go to Emma, where the spaces are very different, they're much more domestic, so actually that, that didn't happen because of the pandemic, but that would have had to sort of have works really significantly changed and removed and whatever, so that that would have been very different. And then the spaces of Void and Derry um, actually accommodated the work quite very similarly, but I made some changes to one of the pieces I added because as well it was like quite a long time later and you just feel like you want to sort of, you know, bring something else to the party. So Yeah, that um, the evolution continues yeah, yeah. that it continues to be generative. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, that was interesting. I mean, I think it's, you know, because touring shows are always a bit weird, but I think the sort of sense of, um, yeah, as, as a sculptor, I guess you make works, well, I suppose as any artist, you make works initially as a group. Well, I do anyway. And you sort of see them in conversation with each other in that first iteration, and that's one thing. And then you sort of have an awareness that they also, you know, sort of go on and have their, you know, own lives away from that. And this was a kind of something between the two, you know, it's like sort of bringing a family back together, but there's some kind of, you know, maybe stepsisters, stepbrothers coming in, or it's, you know, become more blended. And uh, whereas usually they sort of go off on their own and, you know, leave home and don't come back. And so, well, hopefully. And, um, so, so I think it, it was a sort of weird, it is a different process, yeah. But uh, for me, I think especially with the whole pandemic thing, it was kind of, yeah, because the Carlo opened and then it just closed, like three weeks or something, you know, and it was a bit like, right, that's that. So it was really good then to do it uh, in Derry and sort of, you know, actually quite long after the fact, much longer than we planned to actually, you know, yeah, you know, take, to take it out again and see where where we were and to sort of re-familiarise and uh, as well the other thing that is so weird is like basically everything had changed mm -hmm. you know? so that's quite weird. Mm -hmm. yeah. and Eve your shows are ongoing <coughs> yeah but we've kind of I found the idea of a tour being almost possible it, it kind of isn't possible you know because the spaces as, mm. as he was just said you know the spaces are going to shift everything so dramatically, some are bigger, some are smaller. Um, I knew we wanted to bring it to Temple Bar and the works wouldn't really fit in Temple Bar. Um, so we kind of created um, a bit more of a complicated tour. I think it's still confusing everybody, but um, it's, it's not that complicated. Um, most of the show is in Sligo, which is way bigger, and I've added a lot of work in, similar to you, which was really exciting, because some of the work, um, some of the work looks brilliant in, in Sligo. It's kind of got small spaces where there's only two pieces in a room as opposed to, 
you know, 10 pieces in, in the space. So you're able to really, you know, see them in a, in a just in very different scale of the space. And the works feel bigger and they feel more grounded in some ways. And, and it was lovely to add in kind of relatively recent other works and have those in conversation. And for me to see how, you know, there is some sort of logic to, to how this thing is developing, whatever it is. And then in Temple Bar, we wanted to take back in that idea of the studio and just go, well, I've been here during Venice for a year, still upstairs, still making work. So obviously I'm gonna show new work downstairs. Cause that just seemed like the idea that I would just be sitting upstairs, I don't know, just just waiting for it to finish or something, you know, or, or being in Venice on my holidays, which some people thought I was actually. Um, but no, I didn't go to Venice for a year. Um, it would have been nice. Uh, so I was in the studio making work, and now that's that's on show in Temple Bar until the end of April. And then we had a, what we called our discursive um, element of the tour, which you were involved in, which was a chance to bring in all those writers and people who had been in conversation with us for the whole, um, you know, lead up to it. And Jenny Brady, who'd made a film in response to um, to just hanging out with me for a bit, and it's very much her work. And, um, yeah, and it was that was amazing, and that was just felt really, it just felt brilliant to have those people act, let us all meet and have a conversation, you know, after um, what had been a lot of zooms mm -hmm. and kind of developing things in the in blind in a way, you know, where nobody could come and do studio visits, and nobody could come, you know, to the sites and see how the work was developing. It was images and zooms, and so finally we got to bring everyone into a room and have a proper chat. It was really good. And gather. Yeah. Yeah. So let us all meet and have a conversation. I feel like there must be lots of really great questions from the audience. Questions that it hasn't occurred to me to ask and that are burning holes in your brains. Um, so while you think about the questions you're about to ask, do you have any questions for each other that you'd like to ask? How was it for you? No. <laughs> I guess we've done quite a lot. Yeah, I think it was just, for me, it was really good seeing another sculpture show in this place. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, I was really excited to go and see Neil's show. And I think that, you know, through, over the last so 20 years in, in these kind of international exhibitions, there's a lot of emphasis on um, AV work. And uh, I, I, I was really interested to see how Neve as a what I you know as a sculptor like me would because our, our work is both very kind of materials based, very studio based, um, but very different. So I was really intrigued and you know delighted to see sort of I suppose yeah because you could say oh, oh two sculptures one after the other but you know completely different things and I think that 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 was really gratifying as well to see that so I was really excited to see that. I'd be interested to see a painter um, in Venice. I feel like it's much harder somehow with these large kind of exhibitions, especially because of the sort of way one has to kind of write a proposal. Sometimes for somebody who makes something uh, like, you know, paintings or something, the way of talking about work doesn't fit into the kind of structure of application mm -hmm. such as it exists. And it can be a bit overlooked, and I think that it would be really interesting to see, you know, an Irish painter in, in that environment sometimes, um, you know, as well, because 
the, the sort of format for these shows does privilege different types of work. I mean, I have to say, they're not the types of work that are privileged usually commercially, yeah. so, they're, you know, swings around. Are there things you would change if you could remake a version of Venice? Do you have a vision for how it could change into the future? You mean generally the generally, Irish call out the Venice architecture or? of it, the, the oh, like how it's run from yeah. here. Um, give the artists more time. That would be my number one. Um, commit like, to the space. Commit to the space. Give the artists more time. Fund it at least sufficiently. Um, so that the first thing you don't have to do is raise money. Um, but I think the time thing is, is, is part of that as well. So that, that so now that, so, I mean, I don't, you know, the, the next artist hasn't been announced yet. They're going to have to have a show together by Christmas, essentially. Yeah. That's which is short. insane. And, and that will privilege certain kinds of practices as well in a way that isn't maybe, you know, as open as it should be. Um, because some people take longer to develop things and you know that, that should be allowed for and accounted for in, in the process. So I think there are a lot of it is, is, is quite structural and I think could be fixed quite easily mm. in a way. With all the fanfare of Venice, the thing that strikes me is that you have to, as an artist, talk about work that doesn't exist yet for a long time before it actually is manifest. Mm. And for press, for all the interviews, for everything that goes with it. That must be a very difficult thing to do, but something you've probably both gotten really good at. I think it's so unusual for people to be actually interested in talking to you about your work <laughs> at that public level that you're literally just like, you know, I mean, I could talk forever about my work, you know, and I don't get that much opportunity. So actually it's like, for me, I was delighted to do it, you know. Um, and also, you can say you're going to do something and then not do it. <laughs> That's a good trick. I mean, no, you know, ultimately, you know, only Mary and I probably really knew what was going in the room. <laughs> yeah, I found the whole interest in biography and, and you know, like, who, who are you? You know, where are you from? <laughs> you know, and, and what's it going to look like? I found that, yeah, I'd never had it sort of prior to the show. You know, so if something exists, you can talk about it. It's mm. quite easy. But to find the language for something which hasn't formed yet is, is sometimes difficult. Yeah, there was a lot of talking, mm -hmm. um, and it is unusual. Yeah, yeah. And reflecting on it, then on the other side, does that feel, in a way, like it gives the work an even longer longevity? Does it feel cathartic, or does it feel draining? Does it feel all of those things? I mean, it's just the past now. Past. Yeah. Well, mine's still on. <laughs> Ask me next year. Well, they're still on the storage unit in Kent. Wow. That's the reality. Um, just before we completely dissolve, it's 7.30 or thereabouts. <laughs> so I think we will uh, leave it there. And I really want to very, very warmly thank you, Neve, and to thank you, Eva. Thank you. And thank you.